your Bible, if you would, please. Uh, a lot of scripture verse we'll learn tonight. We are on Lesson 9, page 179. Um, Ephesians 5 is where we'll start tonight. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we love you tonight. Thank you for, we're down just a little bit in number. We have seven, many of our folks that are under the weather. We uplift before you, share in bliss. And Father, I pray you'd uh, help her to rest tonight. I pray you'd touch her. She might be able to be at her husband's side and back with us. Lord willing, her and Brother Bliss on Sunday. We do pray for Wally and Rebecca Kane. Thank you for a church family that loves each other and think that when we serve a meal that we're doing it uh, as you bid us to, and we're doing it for your honor and your glory. And, and But, Father, she needs direction and wisdom, and as does Brother Wally, and we pray for patience. And, and Father, it would be good to see uh, both of them soon. We pray for George and Fern Zane, that you'd be with them. Uh, Father, and strengthen Brother George. We might be, haven't seen them in many months, and that we might see them again. We think about Lucy and Jim. I pray, Father, thank you for what you have done with... Jim, and I pray soon we'll see him on a Sunday morning again uh, with Lucy and by his wife's side. We think about these other requests. Certainly, Father, we don't understand the torment and grief that Joy is going through and nothing she caused her. Uh, but sometimes uh, these type of things are so traumatic that they weigh on us. And, Father, I pray that uh, some way, somehow, if it's through Cherie or Loretta or uh, any of the folks out there that know this young lady or her family would be a blessing and a help, but we pray that you would do what others cannot do and help her to understand what had happened and it's an accident, not her fault, and lift that burden. We pray, and we do pray for the family um, of this one who lost their life. We do pray for these missionaries we mentioned, Brother, I mean, Mrs. Wesco, and Father, I we don't know. It sounds like it's fairly serious, but I pray that we would hear some good news in the weeks to come. Father, I pray for the Tanner family, not understanding. Uh, sometimes, Father, we don't understand your purposes, but I pray that, that you would meet every need of Mrs. Tanner, and I pray that soon we'll hear that she had a safe delivery, and, and Father, that uh, we'll see your hand in all of this, uh, what has happened. But, Father, give them your grace and, and your wisdom and understanding. Help us in the, in the study tonight, Father. I pray that we would understand the importance of the local church, uh, and what it means to us and how important uh, we should make it in our lives and the goals and the aspirations of our lives in Jesus' name, amen. That many of you, uh, maybe you are, how many in here are, you are native Coloradans? I'm just kind of curious, native Coloradans. Um, and maybe even though I think Sydney and, Sydney and, and your family uh, and many of you that are, that doesn't mean you haven't moved. Uh, but you think, I was thinking about this coming to church after having studied on this. Do you know if I went back to um, New Mexico and Ohio and Louisiana and the different places that Kathy and I have been in ministry, and each one of those parts of the country is unique and special. Uh, southern people are some of the sweetest people you'll ever meet. And now the food's a little strange down in Louisiana. You got to watch what you eat. Uh, but <laughs> sorry, Andrew. All right. But some of the some of the sweetest people, and certainly there's landmarks that you can Kathy and I could go back to in any of those places that would mean a lot to us. I don't know why I was thinking about this as coming to church tonight. 
If we go back to those places, for me, the thing that means the most is the church and where we went to church and who we went to church with. And, and there's a reason for that. I want you to look at, under this lesson, uh, we think about this. One of the best parts of the Christian life is being a part of a local church. Uh, the church is an institution that Christ himself established. It's very important. Now, we don't have time because of the lesson tonight to really get into this like I should. But we hear terminology. Let me throw some of this out there. Invisible church, universal church. Uh, and now, what are we talking about? The church, if it is a true church, is a church that Jesus started. Now, somebody tell me this, and, and you're going to pass this test. I, I did this test on the uh, Kathy and Karen coming to church, and, and one of them passed. All right? What does the word Catholic mean? Universal. Universal, that's what the cat word Catholic means, universal. Uh, Mr. Webster says this, speaking of the word universal, extending the whole number, the total or the total sum thereof. Now, follow me. And I, we didn't watch this, and I, we, lost, we lost three families because of this. And I hope that maybe, maybe you're here tonight, you weren't a part of the ministry way back then, and you don't understand uh, why we took the stand that we did. A lot of churches were open up their buildings and facilities to show the film, The Passion of the Christ, right? We studied it and found out it had a heavy, heavy Catholic tint towards it. Uh, the main, and I get his name mixed up because I don't know movie star. Ben Caviezel, is it Caviezel? Is that his name? Uh, Jim, who played, if, if you saw it, The Passion of the Christ. No, what Mel Gibson. Jim Caviezel, Jim Caviezel, staunch Catholic. When they were filming that movie every day before he ever started on set, a priest came and gave him the sacraments, right? After it was over and it just swept America, one of the major news stations, I forget which, one of the major three, NBC, ABC, CBS, one of them, asked Mr. Caviezel a very important question. So you are a member of the Catholic Church. Remember, Catholic meaning universal. Yes. And so the, the one that was interviewing him said this. The anchor said, do you believe that the only way to heaven is through your church? Now, remember, if it's universal, if it's the whole sum of, he answered correctly according to his faith. Yes. In other words, if you don't come through the Catholic Church, you are not part of the true church. All right? Now, be careful with these terms. Universal church, invisible church. There is a sense in which uh, that there's a part of the church. We, don't, we see the buildings and grounds and, and everything like that. There's a part of the church that we visibly cannot see. I hope that by tonight when we end with this, we can't even scratch the surface but i hope you'll follow me think about this this is not in your notes god in the scriptures gave us three and he established three institutions let's name them together what's one civil government established of god right brother andrew marriage or the home okay civil government the home and the what do you know any other institutions that god established because i don't 
Somebody said it this way. As goes the home, so goes the church. As goes the church, so goes the nation. We are in trouble in our nation, not because who's in the White House or has been in the White House, but because our pulpits went silent on the teaching and preaching of the Word of God. So remember three institutions. I, there's only three that I know uh, that, that we have. And be very careful with that, that terminology. Uh, I believe we'll look at this. We're going to break it down in just a moment. But as Baptists, and I'm somebody asked one time, uh, I think it was Dr. Rice, and asked, are you a Baptist? Yes. If you weren't a Baptist, what would you be? And he said, I'd be ashamed. <laughs> now, that's what Dr. Rice said. All right? We're Baptist for a reason. Now, let me say this to you. There are some distinctives we'll study in just a moment. But if we boil them all down, the Baptists believe in baptism. Well, you say every church does. Now, follow me. If you study our forefathers, whether you want to call them Waldensians and Anabaptists, go all the way back there, were burned alive at the stake because we rebaptized people who didn't have true baptism. So the baptism is by immersion and after salvation. All right, number two, local governance. These are Baptist distinctives, separation of church and state. Uh, our, our two missionaries from China, uh, Brother Trimbley, if you've heard him uh, come here, uh, and uh, you think about this. Now, they have, do you know there's churches in China? They're state-run, state-sponsored. Churches, the church in Germany, the main church, Brother and Mr. Stuckman tell me, is a, the German church is sponsored by the state or the government. Thing that set Baptists apart for so many uh, years and still does today is separation of church and state. The lifestyle, uh, and we'll look at that, and then biblical authority. All right, uh, so any true church, I want you to think about this, answers to the headship of Jesus Christ and him alone, not a denominational body. We, there's no body that governs Rocky Mountain Baptist Church outside this church. All right, we don't answer uh, to somebody in Rome. We don't answer to somebody in Tennessee. We don't answer to... We're governed here locally. Let's look at what this looks like. Look at your page number 180. The church is precious, Ephesians 5. Somebody read for me verse 25. We're standing where you're at. Just read Ephesians 5, 25. Anybody? Can you do that, Brother Jeff? Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. All right, men, let me ask you this. This was Sunday night's message. If you are presently married... You better answer this right. Is your wife precious to you? Amen. Amen. All right. Jeff's scared. <laughs> All right. Your wife is precious. And the Bible likens and makes similarities between the body of Christ, the church, and Jesus uh, and the husband and wife relationship. Here's the first blank to fill in. And can I say this to you? We do this Saturday, Lord willing, as we go out, if... Weather permitting, we knock on a door. I, this happens almost invariably every week that we'll do. Knock on a door. We'll ask somebody, uh, hey, listen, we'd like to invite you out to church. Do you have a church home of your own? And, and very, very seldom, I mean, very often we'll hear this. You know, 
I'm saved. I know the Lord is my Savior, uh, but I don't really feel it necessary to go to church. It is important to, it's impossible to love Jesus and not love the church. It's his body, all right? So to make the delineation and say, I love the Lord, but I just don't like church. Now, let me say this to you. We have a lot of people been hurt by churches and pastors and understood. I got it. But the truth of the matter is church has a meaningful purpose in the life of a believer. Look at this, if you would. Uh, let's look at Christ called out to the first blank there. He called out. You can look to the screen if you, uh, if you would. Though, did we miss one? We didn't. Okay. Uh, called out the church. From the very beginning... Now, and we're not going to get into this. You can talk to Brother Bill or Brother Stephen or Brother Bliss or Brother Colin, some of you men that have trained for ministry, and some good men. Say that when we say called out, did Jesus call out his disciples? Yes. He did, didn't he? So the question is, when did the church begin? When did it begin? Personally, I believe it began when Christ called out his disciples. I don't believe it began at Pentecost, but good men do believe that. I think, Brother Liz, help me with this, or Brother Bill, I think Brother Bryce believed that, didn't he? I think Brother John Rice believed, and listen, I couldn't, I couldn't polish the man's shoes. I mean, learned, gifted. There's good men that believe the, the church began at Pentecost. Uh, I believe, and the reason, and that we're going to look at the definition of a church, biblical definition, and it means a called-out assembly. Uh, so when did that happen? Uh, I believe when Christ called out his disciples, Matthew chapter 4, verse 18 through 22, you can look at that. There's the next blank. Uh, Christ purchased the church. Uh, look in your Bible, if you would please, Acts chapter number 20. He purchased the church. So who does it belong to? It doesn't belong to a denominational head or body. It belongs to the Lord Jesus Christ. He's the head of the church. In Acts chapter 20 and verse number 28, it says, Take heed thereunto, uh, therefore unto yourselves and to all the flock over which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers to feed the church of God, which he hath what? Purchased with his own blood. And so Christ not only called the church out, but he purchased the church. Look at page 181. Christ commissioned the church. Uh, and, and listen, you know this. I don't use men's names much from this pulpit, but I'm just going to use a name here, very popular name, uh, Rick Warren. Rick Warren uh, started and probably has one of the largest churches in the, in the nation right now. Uh, he wrote a book on churches and how to, how to go to a town and start a church, what churches ought to be. It's called the Purpose Driven Church. Right? Rick Warren will tell you this. People aren't going to come and sit in the pew if you preach against sin. Rick, write this. In. This is not anywhere blank to fill into your notes, but you can write it down if you want. So we have a choice, according to Rick Warren. We can be, he encourages us as pastors and young pastors to have a seeker-friendly church. So he says, if you're going to go to a town and you're going to start a church, do this. You canvas that area. Don't try to lead them to Christ, invite them to church. 
canvas the area before you ever have your first service. Ask them point blank, what do you look for in a church? What do you want in a church? Then give it to them. Give it to them. If you want entertainment, give it to them. If they want babysitting, give it to them. All right, so we have a choice, and I think about that. And I'm not saying a lot of those things are wrong, but watch this. We can be a seeker-friendly church, or we can be a savior-sensitive church. Everything in this church should honor and glorify and uplift the Lord Jesus Christ. He's the head. He's purchased it. So look that, if you would, please. Uh, the called out and then Christ purchased but he commissioned the church. So what is, now I'm dating myself. Anybody here? Now we weren't allowed to watch much. To, I probably, all the time I went to Bible college, uh, I probably watched, if I watched more than 100 hours of television total, that'd be a lot. I, we just didn't watch television. But one of my favorite shows, if I could sneak it in, was Peter Graves and Mission Impossible. You don't know. You're smiling. You don't never seen that program, Sarah. Have you? Have you really? Is it on now? You ever seen it? Do you remember how it starts? Wasn't it real to real? Your mission, if you choose to accept it, is. And this tape will do what? Self-destruct Self in five minutes? Five seconds, all right? So watch this. Let's look at the church. Jesus called us out. He, now watch this. He bought and paid for the church. He is the head of the church, and so he commissions us. He gives us our marching orders. Matthew 28, 19, and 20. We should be able to say this to, together. What does he say? Matthew, can anybody start it? Go ye therefore into what? Now watch this. Let me give you, this is not a missions conference. We're going to Pueblo but he commissioned the church to go to all the world. So let me encourage you to do this. If you're brand new to the church, it's $5 a month. Start to give to missions. We take the gospel to the known world. All right? So he says, and what are we supposed to do when we go and teach them to plant corn? Purify their water. Teaching them to observe what? All things, whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I'm with you always, even unto the end of the world. So, now, I'm not saying, you know, Brother Trimbley will tell you this. You're not getting into China to tell anybody about Jesus unless you have a coffee shop or a business. You're not getting into some of these Muslim countries unless you come with something to do. So, understood, missionaries, if they want to spread the gospel in some of these closed countries, have to do that. The mission of Rocky Mountain Baptist Church should be this. See the lost save, disciple those that we lead to Christ, and commission and send them out. Brother Brad and I were looking, and Brother Brad does dirt work and, uh, uh, and knows a lot about this. We were looking at the possibility when a building uh, is on this property, where's the best place to put it? And I reminded as we walked around to the back of the building that Brother Agee, when he was here, when we bought this building, some of you were here on the opening day, and we were pushing for 200, and, and God gave us over 200, and, and we told all of you ladies, bring your crock pots, and we took them down to the kitchen, and you plugged 75 crock pots in, right? And the lights in the auditorium went out. 
And then they flipped the breaker and, and put them down to 30 crockpots, or however many they were. Brother A.G. found out, because he worked for Black Hills, that we had one transformer. The church and five houses were sharing one transformer. He said, Pastor, it'll never, never work. And Black Hills would let him do this. So many nights, he, re he reset some other poles here for us. Uh, he, brought, he brought new power, gave us our own transformer, brought new power uh, and put it back there and, and gave us uh, that where we could, where we could one day uh, hook up. But watch this. What am I talking about here? I'm trying to think about, uh, about where I'm going with this. But I'm saying this. Think about this. Our commission, Rocky Mountain Baptist Church, our commission is, and oh, here's what I was thinking. Brother A.G. now has gone to West Coast Baptist. He's taken training. He received his call to ministry here at our church, and we commissioned him. All right, he's out. All right, so look at that, if you would, please. Christ is to have preeminence in the church. He's to have preeminence. Although the church meets many needs in a Christian's life, we'll look at some of those later, the church does not exist for us. Is that true? I love you. And I hope you find a place in this church. And I hope that you are helped in this church. But the church does not exist for us. We've gotten a commission from the Lord. Ultimately, it exists to glorify Christ. He's to have first place. Uh, and, and so you look at that, all right? Look at down at the bottom. The church is distinct. I asked you a question tonight. Can anything take the place of the church? No. Preacher, I've got a, I've got a TV pastor. He's not, a, he's not your pastor. You can give him, you say, no, he is my, no, he's not your pastor. Call him when you hear you got cancer. See if he'll come pray for you. When you're having problems in your marriage, see if he'll send somebody to counsel you. He is a pastor. I'm going to say this to you, and I understand this. We have shut-ins that can, think about Mrs. Rodriguez. Mrs. Rodriguez uh, for many years, a still a member of this church. She couldn't come as she wanted to. George and Fern couldn't come for many months if they wanted to. So I understand that. However you, however you have a time around the Word of God and, and, and preaching and teaching and singing, that's understood. But nothing takes the place of the church. The church is distinct. What does that mean? The church is more than a building. It is a place where Christians meet together to grow in God's word and to glorify God and to build lasting friendships with others. The church is not simply a universal body of saved people. Now think about this. And Kathy and I love to do this. And, I, and I'm, not, I, I'm not speaking bad, okay? You hear my heart. Don't, don't get mad at pastor. Kathy and I were in ministry in, in, in Louisiana and we would go normally every year to pastor's conference in Hammond, Indiana, our home Bible college and church. If we could leave Sunday morning after church, and the pastor knew this, we could get to Little Rock, Arkansas by driving, and we always went to the same church in Little Rock, Arkansas, First Baptist Church of Little Rock. Ladies, do you have a husband like Kathy's husband that you all, he always thinks he knows the way? And you can't tell him because he knows. He's got this down. Don't raise your hand. I, I've done it a million times. You take I-40 in, into Little Rock. You get off on Stagecoach Road, 
And you go down a mile and a half, and First Baptist Church is right there. I don't know what they did. They moved it or something. One time I went, and we could, and we were right on. Oh, man, it's, I don't know how we're going to find it. And these are days before Internet and GPS. And, and I know these things on Stagecoach Road. And we looked at one another, and finally I told, I told my wife, I said, the next church I go by, this says Baptist on the door. I'm stopping. We're going to church there. Now think of the South. I kid you not, we did. This church <laughs> leaned. <laughs> the porch was leaning. All right? Church was already starting. Come on, Kathy, we got to go. I opened the doors and they creaked. <laughs> and we were in a part of Arkansas that white people aren't in. You know what, though? You think about this. I felt at home in that church. Those are my brothers and sisters in Christ, right? So in that sense, we can do the universal because if somebody's saved in a part of the church in Little Rock, Arkansas, in Pueblo, Colorado, and no matter where you go, isn't it a wonderful thing to go to church and see your brothers and sisters in Christ you're going to spend eternity with? Now look at that. So how does this work itself out? Uh, look at page number 182. Throughout the New Testament, emphasis is placed on the, here's a blank to fill in, the local church. Individual bodies of believers who gather together as a church and follow the New Testament patterns of church practices. Look at the reference that is given there, Acts 2.47. Praising God and having favor with all people and the Lord added to the church daily, such as should be saved. I was telling Brother Mrs. Duncan, I think it was before we were meeting with them and just going over their testimony, they wanted to join the church and we were trying to find out when they got saved and where they were baptized and that kind of thing. We're just visiting with them. We were talking about uh, their church and, and our church and, and we were talking about how the Lord adds to the church. And I was thinking about those of you who remembered Daryl Hoskins. We've had more adult visitors on Sunday morning than any one time in our church's history in the last, since January. If Daryl Hoskins were alive, he would be giddy. Every time he'd see a new phrase, he'd say, he'd welcome it. You couldn't get around him. A big old handshake at the door. Howdy! And he's smiling. And he'd, if you tried to get around him, he'd hold your hand and he'd walk. Where are you? Where are you from? You live in this area? Looking for a church? I mean, he drilled you before you got in. And he'd tell me, preacher, you got to go after that couple. You got to go get them. You got to get them in church. You know, I did some of those, got people in church. You know what I want in our church? I want the Lord to add the people to this body. So, and that's what he does. Acts 9.31, then had the churches rest throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria and were edified and walking in the fear of the Lord in the comfort of the Holy Ghost were multiplied, right? If you look at all, we don't have time with all these verses. It's talking about the church at. That's a local church. The next, we think about this. Now, somebody tell me, help me with this. A letter in the word of God a letter written to a church is called a what? An epistle. All right? Name some for me. Name some epistles. Andrew, you said something? Corinthians, so first and second. So was there a church at Corinth? 
Yes, so it's an epistle. Give me another. Romans, there was a church at? Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, and on and on and on. So remember that. The next nine New Testament books after Acts, and it lists all of them, are epistles or letters written to local churches. Okay? And by the way, Brother Bliss talked about resolving about the King James Bible. Uh, those local churches had a part or a portion of manuscripts, right? And there were some that, they were, that were rejected, that were not shared by all those churches. Uh, but our Bible came, the received text. Those New Testament churches that had the portion of scriptures that they received, that became uh, our what is our Bible, our New Testament now. The three epistles to follow, First and Second and Titus, are written to local church leaders. So these others are epistles, but these are written to local church leaders. There's not there wasn't a church of Timothy or a church of Titus. They're written written to local leaders. So what is the local church and how is it stru uh, in stru uh, structured? Look at page one eighty three. The local church is called uh, called out assembly. We talked about, didn't it? Now, remember this, and if you have Catholic friends, this is what they're taught. It's what they believe. Jesus said to Peter, upon this rock, I will build my church. The Catholic church believes that the, uh, Peter was the first pope, right? The Lord, if you'll study that text in Matthew 16, he was not saying, Peter, I'm going to build my church upon you. Because Peter had just given a confession of who Christ was. If you back up in those verses, he had just, he had just confessed it, who Christ was. And, and the Lord said, you're right, and upon this rock I'll build my church. Jesus is the rock, not Peter. All right? So it's a called out assembly. Although some have taught that Jesus and his pastor was making Peter the first pope. We looked at that. Uh, you look at these other texts that uh, 1 Peter 2 and Ephesians 2 will tell you this not. The, this is very important. The word Jesus used for church is the Greek word ekklesia, and it means a called out assembly. Corinthians says this, come out from among them, what? And be separate. He calls us out, all right? And he called out his disciples. A local church is a group of people who are called out from the world in the sense that they have identified with Christ and are joined together for the purpose of forming a church and are described in the New Testament. All right, here's another blank. The local church is patterned after the New Testament churches. Now, we're going to look in the next page at an acrostic. So I'm not just talking about a church. We want to talk about a Baptist church, right? What makes us different about uh, in the Baptist realm? There are, these are our Baptist distinctives. Uh, which set the Baptist church apart. All churches are not. I was reading last couple days, one of my heroes in the faith is Dr. Lee Robertson. Dr. Robertson was a gifted man of God, a great man for a long time, uh, Tennessee Temple University and, uh, and Highland Park Baptist Church. Doc, and this is not in your notes, but Dr. Robertson said this. There's three distinctives, and I love how he put it. He said this. Regeneration, separation, and participation. Say it with me. Regeneration, separation, and participation. How do you get into the church? Acts 2, Acts 6, Acts 8. 
And they that gladly received his word, that salvation, were baptized, salvation, baptized, and the Lord added unto the church. You should not be or could not be a member of the church without professing faith in Christ. All right, so go back to this. Here's, here's a blank to fill in. Biblical authority. Now, we're spelling out in an acronym, Baptist. Biblical authority. What is our rule for faith and practice in our church? What should it be? The Bible is the Word of God. Uh, all right. Secondly, and here's the text for that. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction, righteous. I think in the first or second uh, lesson that we taught, we talked about what those are, each of those. All right. Secondly is autonomy. Autonomy. What this means or self-governing power of the local church. I was, some of you will remember this, and Brother Bliss, I don't know, or Brother Bill, I don't remember. A lot of times when somebody in a heavier weighted matter uh, comes and says, Pastor, I, I want your counsel on this. I want to make certain I'm right. And so sometimes I'll tell them, I want you to, here's what I think, I want you to seek out additional counsel. I don't know if either of you men or Brother Stephen or any of you counseled Brother A.G. on, Brother A.G. had a burden for the people in Idaho. That's where he's from. And he went up to a church. They, they didn't go up there to look at this church. They were just vacationing. And uh, his uncle uh, was the main deacon in this church, and they didn't have a pastor. And Brother Shane came, and he was all excited. He's going to take over this Southern Baptist church. I told him, Brother Shane, if you want my counsel, you should not do it. He said, why? And I said, he said, preacher, I'll pull it out of the convention. No, you won't. Those buildings belong to Southern Baptists. American Baptist, GRBC. Try it. I mean, Brother Bliss, you've dealt with this. You pull that building out of the convention. You pull that church out of it. It has been done. So watch this. What is wrong with that? Somebody in Murfreesboro, Tennessee, should not be making decisions for the church in Pueblo, Colorado. All right? You folks, we make those decisions because Christ is the head of the church. We believe that every local church should be independent of hierarchy, framework, or outside government structure. If we have, we need a pastor. We don't, there's no governing body or hierarchy that says, here's five men you can candidate, right? Uh, look at this on page 185. So Baptist, B-A, here's P, priesthood of the believer. God's word assures us that we have direct access to God through our relationship with Christ. We don't come through a priest. We don't come through a religious leader. And I say this reverently as I can. We don't come through Mary. You don't need to go through Mary to get to Jesus. Mary said of Jesus, my Savior and my God. All right? So, the priesthood of the believer. There's, look at 1 Timothy 2. For there's one God and one mediator between God and men, 
Who is that? The man Christ Jesus. We talked about Sunday about the veil of the temple being rent. We have access to the Holy of Holies through the work of Christ. All right, here's a T, two offices within the church. Only two. All right. Scripture only mentions two offices. The pastor also referred to uh, in uh, Titus and Timothy as elder or bishop. So would you read uh, in the epistles or you read in Timothy and Titus a elder or a bishop, you can think pastor. Okay? These two offices are to be fulfilled by godly men of integrity. Oh, and deacon. So pastor and deacon. And let me say this to you. You think about this. And I, I, I have a preacher, a preacher boy, that, and he's doing a tremendous job in, Rain, in Rangeley, Colorado, Brother Jasper Whiston. He uh, received the call and came to our Christian school and took that little church. And we go, and boy, he struggled because he was a young man. It was his first pastorate. And he said, he told us about some of the struggles. He said, we've got to have a business meeting if I want to change a light bulb. No, you don't. Change a light bulb. We can either have a people-led church, a deacon-led church, or a pastor-led church, but we can't have all three. Now, should this church have input from its members? Absolutely. Pastor is not a dictator. All right, and as a church just recently, we added... We went through the deacon election process. I think the church made a wise choice. And so I'll tell you this. If you sat in, we have one tomorrow night. We meet monthly. We report to you quarterly. You'll see this. If I see the majority of the church, I don't care what it is, a building project, whatever it is, a change in our church, and I understand the church isn't. There's been one time we've led since I've been pastor, and I thought the church was behind something, and they weren't. I listen for the input of the church. We probably will never be 100% in unison, but you think about that, the two offices. All right, next blank. Individual soul liberty. We believe that each person must make a personal decision of repentance and faith in Christ. What does that mean? We're going to have child dedication the last Sunday night of the first Sunday morning of March. Mamas and daddies don't make decisions about salvation for their children. All right? So individual uh, soul liberty. Next page. Separation of church and state. Although Christians should be law-abiding citizens, the state should have no power to create a state religion or to intervene in the fair, free expression of, uh, expression of religious liberty. When I went to Bible college, and, and that's back in the Stone Age, in the late 70s, early 80s, Brother Louis Sullivan in Omaha, Nebraska, a pastor. The state of Nebraska said, you will get a license for your church and for your school. And he said, no, I won't. Federal marshals walked into that church, handcuffed the pastor, and drug him out and put him in jail. Greg Dixon in Indiana. Lester Roloff on Corpus Christi, Texas. Now, Brother Roloff had something about him that these other men didn't have. He said, I got a license. They said, you do? He said, yeah, right there. He went to jail. had an attorney general of the state of Te uh, Texas that hated churches and hated men of God. 
So I'm saying this to you. Think about this. And the state does. And, the state, and let me say this to you. Brother Fine, am I right? Brother Rogers, and you mean, we're not trying to pick a fight with the state. We make sure we abide by the local ordinances and laws, and we do everything. But if it comes to some ordinances and laws that go against the clear teaching and preaching of God's word, I have a choice to make, and we have a choice to make. It's better to obey God rather than to obey man. And so we look at that uh, separation of church and state. Two ordinances. What are they? Somebody tell me. Two ordinances. Baptism and the Lord's Supper and foot washing. <laughs> down south, there's a lot of, am I right? A lot down, and good churches, Baptist churches, uh, have foot washing. That They see it as the third ordinance. Uh, so we look at two, uh, baptism and the Lord's Supper. These are ordinances, and this is so important. Not sacraments. They have no part in salvation and only serve as pictures of what Christ did for us. Both of them should be only be performed on the authority of the local church. Right? Look at page 187. We'll, we'll hurry. Separation and personal holiness. We believe that Christ's ultimate sacrifice demands our complete concentration, consecration, and we desire that our daily, daily living would reflect the holiness of our great God. Right? 1 Peter 1, look at that verse. It says, because it is written, be ye holy, for I am holy. These eight beliefs are a top-end picture of the basic teaching and practice of the New Testament church. This is so important. The church is not an organization as much as it is an organism. It's living, it's growing, it's functioning. All right, page 188, the church is vital. Would you say amen to that? It's vital. It is, why is it vital? Number one, it's the guardian of truth. If the church won't stand for truth, who will? And I'm going to say this to you. This is all over. Leave our parking lot. Go right on O'Neill. You won't even hit Pueblo Boulevard. You'll see a church on the left-hand side there. That man grew up in an independent, fundamental, Bible-believing church. His mom and daddy were some of the most godly people you ever knew in your life. I remember after we left a church where they were, didn't know their son. His mother said, Pastor Rogers, would you like some of my son's books? And I said, he's pastoring. Why didn't he want his books? He doesn't believe like that anymore. And I got a good part of his library. I mean, good books. They're an open and affirming church. And I'll think of it. You go on Pueblo Boulevard, take a right. The first church you come to on the left, pastored by a, a woman. And I say to you, they look at us who hold to the teaching or preaching of the Word of God and say, you're a bigot, you're a homophobe. Now listen, I believe that we ought to love gay people. I do. But I'm saying this, if the state says as pastor, I have to marry and I have to be able to perform that wedding, we got a problem. All right? Look at this if you would. Pillar, in the, it's a guardian of the truth. Uh, 1 Timothy 3.15, but if I tarry long, thou mayest uh, know how thou oughtest to behave thyself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of the truth. All right? 
last blank on page 188. It is God's plan to reach the world. All right? God has commissioned us. Page 189. It is God's place to nurture the Christian. I hope that you'll come and you'll grow and you'll learn. It's so good to see many brand new baby Christians in our church. Uh, and the reason we're doing this on Wednesday night is because we had so many new Christians that I just thought, let's do this. Let's get them in. Uh, let's train them. And, and many of those who've just accepted Christ as Savior have made themselves available to these studies, and I commend you for that. Notice these purposes for the local church that help you grow in your Christian walk. We preach the word. Somebody say it then. Uh, here, Romans 10, 17. So then faith cometh by... Hearing and hearing by the, do you remember the couch potato guy we showed you on Sunday night and the six-pack ab guy? Think of faith as a muscle. The more you work it, exercise it, you get the couch potato guy, and pretty soon you have six-pack abs spiritually. All right? Look at this, if you would. It's, it's God's place. To, we do the preaching of God's word. Number two, to provide fellowship. The local church is a place where we can meet people who desire to serve the Lord and live for Him. And I hope, you know, listen, they, you won't be a member of this church long if you just come on Sunday morning or Sunday night, Wednesday night, and you don't get around. We don't get around each other. I'm not interested in the kind of church that just comes here and does church and goes home. I love it when we're in each other's homes. I love it when we go get a, 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 a meal together. Or we fellowship together, all right? Preach the word. Uh, then also fellowship to provide oversight. Christ is the head of the church, but he has designated the pastor as an under-shepherd who provides spiritual leadership. Uh, Brother Chapel said this in his notes. I pray you feel this way. I did when I was growing up. Your pastor is a gift given to encourage, edify, equip your life for spiritual growth and fruitfulness. A wise Christian will establish a strong relationship and maintain spiritual accountability with their pastor. And let me say this to you. That's just not your main pastor. Let me get a little something in here. It is no doubt, I've never doubted this for a moment, that God sent us our two associate pastor and administrative pastor. I believe that Brother Stephen has done us a great service in the years that he's worked here. Amen. Let me say this to you. Don't think that you have a right. And men, can I tell you this? If you're married, don't let your wives chew this man out. Amen. Just putting it out there. You got a problem with our associate. You talk about it. Husbands, you come to pastor. Or you come as a team. And I believe this too. Brother Rogers is the first person I have ever interviewed for any position in this church. I believe that God sent us Josh and Rachel. Amen. Now, I mean this. They sent us the kind of people that we can follow their example and leadership. Infallible, no. Uh, but, all right, to restore sinful members. To restore sinful members. All right, here's the application on 191, and we're going to close uh, so what do I do with this? Preacher, okay, the church is bought and paid for. Christ is the head of the church. Uh, through the church, we have fellowship, and we, we come to know Christ as Savior, and we fellowship together, and we grow in grace. How do I apply this? Let me give, all of us should make these three 
uh, decisions concerning the church. Number one, decide to be faithful in your attendance. Be faithful. In the Christian life, there's no substitute for the church. Number two, decide to be accountable. Right? Do you think pastor has full reign here? Do you think I do? It's my way or the highway. I do whatever I want to do. Thank God. Uh, tomorrow when we meet, and we do this once a month, it's not just pastor. It's our treasure. It's the deacons. It's our staff. Right? We look at the finances. We look at the other things in the church. Uh, and so don't, I mean, think about this. Even pastor, I should make myself accountable. I'm accountable to God, correct? I'm accountable to God. And then number three, so not only be faithful in attendance, decide to be accountable to leadership. Number three, decide to be committed in your involvement. Say it with me. We say this a hundred times. You're going to get sick of it. Every saint is a servant. Every member is a minister. Every saint is servant. Why did God save you? If he just saved us, take us to heaven. Once we got saved, he'd thump us on the head and take us home. There's work to do. There's people to be led to Christ. Brother Tim, there's some boys and girls to teach, right? Brother Stephen, there's some teens to love. Brother Lou and, and, and brother, uh, brother Lou and brother, uh, brother Colin, you think about this? There's some RU people to love, right? There's some buses to drive. There's some buildings to build. There's some things to do. There's some meals to take to a, to a shut-in. And you're a part of that. Here's a wonderful, a wonderful pattern. Be faithful, be accountable, be committed. All right. We try to end these right at 8.15. We're just two minutes beyond. Uh, we don't have time each and every Wednesday. We take 45 minutes, what we try to get every lesson in. If you have questions about any of these lessons that we teach, tonight is a very, this is a, uh, just a skeletal uh, teaching of what the church is. I hope that you go away understanding the church is a wonderful, wonderful institution that Christ established and bought and paid for. And can I say this to you? You're a part of it. Praise God for that. Let's go to the Lord in prayer.